Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. I'm Ethan Skolnick. I'm up in New York. If the heat just dropped two straight in the Big Apple, first in Brooklyn and then in Manhattan, losing to the Nets and to the Knicks, both games that they had leads in the fourth quarter. We'll get to that in a second. I'm going to be joined by Alex Toledo, who you can follow at Tropical Blanket. But first, I want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that's East Coast Public Adjusters, which wants to let you know there's only now nine months, nine months left to file your IRMA claim. So call now before it's too late. That's 855-GET-ECPA, 855-GET-ECPA. If you've got a leaky roof, experiencing plumbing issues, those problems are most likely covered by your insurance policy. So don't settle for less. For a free, no-obligation inspection, you've got to call East Coast Public Adjusters. They've been in business for 31 years, since 1988, since the first year of the Miami Heat. So here's the number again, 855-GET-ECPA, or visit the website, ecpaclaims.com. Knowledgeable staff standing by to answer all of your questions. And now, Tropical Blanket and I will try to answer your questions about what the heck's happened to the Heat defense. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. ALF954, brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back. I'm back from Madison Square Garden after I was with John Kozan, who you can follow at Brass Jazz. He covered the game with me tonight. Then we got lost in the bowels of Madison Square Garden. I felt like the Knicks like sort of trying to find their way out of mediocrity, Alex, like that's it's John and I got, we had no idea where to go. We were like looking for Zion. Uh, but I felt like the heat in the fourth quarter tonight. Well, exactly. And that's what we're going to talk about. And we're going to keep this very focused because there's a lot of stuff that's going on. I'm going to tell you, you should stick around till the end of the podcast. We're not going to do a long podcast tonight, but at the end of the podcast, I'm going to get into some things I've heard about the types of players Jimmy Butler might want to play with. Going forward, I think you're going to find that interesting. But it's a teaser, do, folks. It's a teaser. But before we do, Alex, let's just get to the – let's do this in 10 minutes, uh, which is about how long it took for this game to fall apart. Uh, you mean the, per, the, per answer, right? The, per answer. The defense, the defense in Brooklyn, they were up nine with four minutes left and fell apart. Uh, they got off to a terrible start in that game. They got off to a much better start in this game or so it seemed, and then things kind of fell apart from there. Uh, But defensively, you identified, and then I'll tell you what they're saying in the locker room. What do you think is the major problem? Why are they giving up 120-plus points to a team like the Knicks? I don't know if there's one thing that really outweighs anything else other than just, you know, 100% effort. And I'm not going to come out here and blame the Heat for not giving 100% versus what is maybe the worst team in the league and a team that they – handedly beat the last time in Miami. But at the same – not that I'm excusing this uh, loss, by the way, because this, you know, this might be the new worst loss of the season. But at the same time, it's like you don't give up 130 points or whatever you, you gave up to the Knicks without bad effort. Like that team is not a team that can score a lot. They don't have much shooting outside of Reggie Bullock and, you know, Wayne Ellington who wasn't playing. And 
just the fact that you gave up that many paint points to R.J. Barrett, a rookie, and Julius Randle, who shouldn't be able to carry a team on offense and by himself and not be stopped at some point. You know, I don't think that's something that's going to happen consistently with the Heat. Yeah, that's the thing about this is we can talk about effort and I'm with you. I don't think the effort's been good enough, but I think the problem here is that without, and we're going to touch on justice, without justice, the types of players they're playing right now, they cannot get by with any, with even average effort. Okay. Because it just, let's look at the personnel, right? Like when we've talked about their personnel, Alex, we, we went into the season saying they're going to have Jimmy, they're going to have justice. They're going to have bam. Right. Like that's going to be the core of their defense. Then DJJ kind of replaced justice. But again, there's not, you're not going to play DJJ the kind of minutes that you're going to play justice. So who are you playing? Well, you're playing Dragic, who we know at the point of attack is not an elite defender. You're playing none who still has a lot to learn, you know, again, at the point of attack. You're playing Duncan Robinson a lot more than you anticipated. You're playing Tyler Hero, who's a rookie, who's been better defensively than we, we thought he would be, but still a rookie, and we thought that his issues were going to be more on defense than on offense. You're talking about four guys right there that on the perimeter that are not great defenders. Then you've got Myers inside who communicates really well and is a strong guy but doesn't move his feet all that well. Uh, and so you're talking about five or six defenders in their rotation that are not plus defenders. Now they've added JJ back in, so that should help. But I, my thing is, I don't think it's just effort. Like you know, I asked Jimmy the question about it because Myers talked a little about communication and he just, Jimmy just said, we just need to guard harder. And, and I do think if they guard harder, it will help. But I also wonder if this is just a personnel issue to a certain degree. They don't have a rim protector really. We knew that. And they don't have elite perimeter defenders other than Jimmy and what DJJ is becoming. So do they have enough on this roster? They should be able to get it done against the Knicks. I agree with you. Do they have enough on this roster to be the kind of defensive team we thought they could be um, if they're letting everybody get in the paint and then they don't have anybody to clean it up? I do think they have the personnel to be a top 10 defensive team like they were to start the season. They're now... Uh, I want to say 14th in defensive rating in the league after being in the top eight for so long. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, Justice absence. Not that, you know, he, he, he's been gone a while now. But I think there is some sort of defensive regression going on. And they were playing so above their head for a while on, on defense, which is not really something we talk about. Because I don't, I don't know, like the fact that if you would have told me going into the season, you know, the guys in the rotation who are going to be getting heavy minutes are the guys you said, right? Myers, Duncan. Uh, you got Hero and Goron. Uh, that's a lot of guys who you would expect to be negative defenders. They've been pretty good for what they've been asked to do. They've been really good in following the system, but they just have a lot of limitations. And I think it's starting to catch up to them. I also think it's middle of, of January. And I still believe that they could have beat this team for the exact same reason that, who was it, Jimmy said that they, that mm. they could have guarded harder? Yeah. I 100% because I, I saw so many easy buckets. And mm. every single time I caught the Knicks, they can't score, and they and they were just scoring at will tonight at the rim. And I do agree that they're missing a little bit of rim protection. I do think Bam is a good rim protector, but at the same time, you're playing him at the four most of the time, right? Especially at the beginning of the first, beginning of the third, and especially that you're giving Myers more minutes. That means, you know, more Bam at the four time, and mm -hmm. it's, that takes him away from the rim. Myers has been fine in the drop scheme as a big, but he's not a rim protector. No, I, I just it, think it, they got to go back to what they were doing before. Just uh, for some turnovers. 
Well, they have to force turnovers, right? I mean, they're not forcing a lot of turnovers right now. And as you mentioned about Bam. Another like, effort I, thing, right? Well, that you're right. It is effort. Um, and, and some of it is, you know, Jimmy's, Jimmy's steals are way down. Uh, if you look from the start of the season to now, and I think that, again, is that period he went through where he was carrying so much of the load, and I think it wore on him. And I think we saw that offensively down the stretch tonight. Like, he, you know, he, he, I mean, he had the air ball, like four feet from the rim, right? He made two of the three, three, three free throws. Um, they didn't. They had a little bit of creativity in the offense late, but not a lot. But I'm not going to focus on offense. Look, they give up 40 points in the fourth quarter. That's what you've got to touch on. Like, they scored 120, right, or something. I mean, they scored enough. They scored enough against Brooklyn until things bogged down late. Offense is not the issue here. This is The question is, if they, the Miami Heat principles are to be defense first. And I just wonder, like you said, they've covered up for guys we expected to be suspect defenders. And they've been able to do that throughout the years, dating back 25 years. Tim Hardaway came to Miami with a bad knee and as a suspect defender. And they covered him up on what was a top three defensive team for basically all of Hardaway's tenure because they had Zoe and they had P.J. Brown and they had Dan Marley and they had other guys uh, who were physical defensively. They've managed to cover up for guys. I just wonder if they've got too many guys to cover up for now. And, and I looked at some of the numbers that uh, Christian was putting on there, but basically when now you're playing – Whenever you're playing, I think it's Harrow and Dragic with Myers. The defensive numbers are terrible, and you've talked about that. Like, you can play two of them, but you can't yes. play three, right? And, and so yes. now we've gotten to the stage. Where At least not for extended justice, periods. Not for extended periods, but we've gotten to the stage without justice where they're playing three. And so, you know, it's like, okay, you insert J.J., and we'll talk about J.J., but you insert J.J., so that helps. But he's not as up on their defensive – even he said tonight, like – I've got to get used to playing with these guys. So even though he scored tonight, he's not at the level defensively that he was at, say, during the, you know, the 30 and 11 runs. So I just I wonder how they're going to cover up, and I wonder if Riley's looking at this and is saying, do we have the personnel for this? Like, I mean, Olenek didn't play tonight. He's been a bad defender for them, uh, really, one of their, probably their worst defender over the past, like, month, and they've taken him out of the rotation, replaced him with J.J., and the defense didn't get any better. So I, I'm just wondering – you know, kind of where they are. I mean, Jimmy said tonight after the game, he told Ira uh, during the group session, he said, we've defended well in four games this year. <laughs> now, I think it's been more than that. That's funny. I, I definitely think it's been more than that, but I, think I like been that more he has than the that. high standard. He, he has the high standard, but I, but I, I wonder about it uh, going forward. I, let, let's touch on a couple more things here before we get to some of the info I want to send out. Um, the James Johnson experience is interesting because basically, and we're going to tie this in with Justice, uh, JJ is basically doing, it's like, we talked about the things justice was supposed to do for this team. And I felt like Derek Jones jr. Was doing half of them, like in terms of the defense and all that, but, and he's a better athlete than justice, but he can't do the ball handling that justice was doing. But tonight, every time JJ was on the floor without Jimmy, JJ brought the ball up the floor, unless it was a Pam. Um, like how sustainable is this for, like we went from saying JJ should have a role to J.J. was having no role, and now all of a sudden it seems like J.J. is going to have a big role. Like, how, how far do you think this can – he's not going to make the threes. He made two end-of-quarter threes tonight. Um, I don't think that's going to keep happening. I mean, he's not a great three-point shooter. But, like, how, how, how much can they expand what James Johnson is doing? Uh, I don't know about expanding. I think right now they've got him in just the right role. Like, I don't want him going back to taking up a big amount of ball handling. I think – the way they, that they have been using him those past couple of games where he's, you know, he's helping get, he, he's like the, the connector on offense, right? He's not the facilitator, 
but he's getting guys, he's getting it from point A to point B, right? Where like a lot of times you'll get it, uh, a, a screen into a handoff for, to, for Hero or somebody gets it to him, somebody sets a screen, he makes another quick pass. Like he's not doing the same type of, you know, facilitation that Justice was when he was the point guard, but he is filling in a little bit there. As far as expanding, I think it's uh, perfect the way it is. I don't know how many, you know, how often he's going to keep making these threes that he has been making. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I like Spo inserting him back into a lineup, especially with Kelly struggling. And the fact that he every time that he's out there, he's playing with multiple shooters. And, mm-hmm. you know, it goes back to what we talked about a while back is that they have a lot of one-way guys. And J.J. projects to be, you know, he's <laughs> he's been one way on the on the – on the opposite end so far, like he's been more offensive defense, which is obviously isn't going to last, but you know, they have a lot of one way guys between JJ and DJJ and justice as defensive only guys. And then, uh, you know, pretty much Duncan Myers, Tyler Goron as the more offensive guys. And again, I'm not trying to trash them, but for the most part on an NBA floor, those guys are all one way players and Spo has to pretty much juggle. What is the right rotation to put out there and the right lineup to put out there. Like tonight, you saw them struggle on offense in the fourth quarter down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Do you insert more offensive players, you t- <laughs> which means you have to take out defensive right. players, and they were struggling on defense all game. So, like, that type of back and forth might be a little bit unhealthy sometimes, even though the luxury of options is really nice to have. Yeah, it doesn't seem like we have any idea who he's going to play with Bam and Jimmy down the stretch of games. Um, the other three are always going to be up in the air. Uh, he want, likely going to be Dragic most nights. I, I don't uh, – Goran – He's kind of struggled two straight nights uh, or two straight games. I, he, he got off to the hot start in Brooklyn. Uh, tonight, though, you know, he, he had uh, – what was he? He had four assists, but he had five turnovers. Um, he and Bam led the team in turnovers. They had 14 total. Uh, but it, I want to break down some of the numbers on the game first. And, and again, look, they, they're, they're, their splits tonight on shooting, Alex, were 54-40-82. Like – and they scored 121. It's just why I don't want to talk about offense. Like 54, 40, 82 wins you. Oh, yeah. The only offense that was a problem. Games. Sorry. The only offense that was a problem was down the stretch. Where down the stretch. Right. Mistakes but, and they were sloppy. The Knicks were already hot. But I'm not right. really worried about that. Like people that were so overreacting to Jimmy. Like he obviously had a tough fourth quarter, but people were calling him, you know, not a great closer. Yeah. I don't want to And that. the Heat were, you know, a bad clutch team. I'm, Nowhere near that take. <laughs> no, no, that take is ridiculous. And, and if you look, look, I mean, again, look at the offense real, real quick tonight. I mean, Jimmy was 8 of 15, 9 of 11 from the line, 25 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 turnover. I, I mean, I, I, you can complain about some decisions that were made down the stretch and obviously coming up short on that runner, but I, I don't want to focus on his offense. Bam was 5 of 7 and 5 of 6 from the line. Kendrick was 9 of 15, which included 2 of 7 for 3, which means he made 7 out of his 8 two-point shots. Uh, yeah, you know, I think what it I comes mean, down to now is that the Heat are now, you know, eighth in offensive rating and 14th in defensive rating, which is yeah. kind of backwards to start the season more or less. Right. And I think that's kind of the point that they're in right now. They're more that team than the team that we saw at the beginning. Yeah, no, I think they're a better offensive team than a defensive team right now. And and Spolster said that. He says our that's offense crazy. has been bailing us out. It is crazy, but it's true. But it's like we said, you, you just talked about the one-way players that they have. They have more kind of one-way offensive players and they have one-way defensive players. So, I mean, it's going to tilt that direction. I mean, you know, and, and you look at the, the plus-minus numbers tonight, I think this one's kind of interesting because this has been a bit of a trend lately and it's something to watch. Uh, Tyler had 15 points in 22 minutes. He was 3 of 8 from 3, but was easily the worst plus-minus player on the team tonight. Now, again, we don't make too much of single, you know, single game plus-minus, but when one guy is minus 14, 
and nobody else on the team is worse than minus four, it jumps out at you a little bit. Um, and so Tyler's had some games like that lately. And I, I just wonder, I was watching him kind of trail guys on defense a little bit. I think one thing we've got to consider with Hero in particular, none a little bit and Duncan a little bit, but Hero in particular. I mean, how many games, what's the most games Tyler Hero has ever played in a season? Uh, we're, we're at we're 39 games, right? Like Tyler at Kentucky, he played one year. How many games did Kentucky play? I mean, I'll, I'll look it up. Was it 39? Uh, probably not. Right? Uh, I'm they, looking they it up go, right now. They didn't go that deep in the tourney. Like I, I was I even, think I was even got that far. Yeah. I, I was asking, uh, you know, I was asking tonight if he'd ever played in the garden, I guess he played against Seton hall in the garden. They lost by a point when he was with Kentucky, but I'm sure in high school, he never, I mean, probably the last time he's played this many games in the season was probably his travel teams. I, yeah. I, I, 37 right? I, games last year for Kentucky. Right. So he's already a 39 and Tyler missed, he missed one, I think. So he's, he's 38 this season. So he's already surpassed what he played at Kentucky. I think we need to start to look at that a little bit um, that, that they're asking, they're asking guys to do a lot who haven't done this before and they're going to hit some mm-hmm. rough patches. Um, I will say one thing, Alex, I asked Jimmy, I got a death stare from Jimmy tonight. Uh, Cause I asked Uh-oh. Jimmy, well, I asked, I asked Jimmy about, you know, whether this was going to be good for them down the road. Uh, and he said, uh, basically no, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> We don't like to lose. I don't like to lose. Um, and I get that. But I do think that Eric Spolstra may have needed a two-game losing streak to, to kind of refocus them on what they need to be. And I, then it comes back to personnel. So we're going to talk more about personnel after the break. But that's kind of what I want to get into tonight because I, I just think, you know, offensively, <coughs> we can talk about it. But they scored plenty of points. Like, they should have swept this road trip with their offense. Like, there's absolutely no reason they shouldn't have. And, you know, to, to give up 124 to the Knicks, to collapse down the stretch against the Nets where they, they could not stop penetration with Dinwiddie the whole night. Didn't matter who they put on him. And they're really left in a position. Like, DJJ was telling me that he, he's told Jimmy that he wants to sort of, you know, be the man defender and let Jimmy roam. Okay, well, we'll see if Derek's, you know, ready for that. But Derek only played 19 minutes tonight. So that was supposed to be Justice's role. And I thought that so, was weird. That he only played 19. I don't really think, yeah. and he was plus four. <clears throat> um, he made one of two threes. I, I just, I don't know. It didn't feel like there was a big, I don't know. It, it didn't feel like with the matchups tonight that they made a lot of sense for him. And then when Kendrick kind yeah, of Yeah, Julius Randle matchup is not good for it's him. It's not good it's not for him. Not a good one. No, he, he's, Ju- Julius Randle needs to be rescued off that team too because he can help teams. Uh, like Julius Randle would look great on the heat. Like a, a four Imagine him coming handle. off the bench with like oh, another God. guard. Yeah. Yeah, no, he, he'd be terrific. But uh, they, they could not handle him at all. And I don't think Derek, from a physicality standpoint, can handle him. So maybe that's why. But again, Justice, if Justice was available, let's do this before the break. If Justice was available, he would have played those minutes that Derek didn't play. And I, that's why I say they're losing minutes defensively. So let's touch on the Justice thing, uh, and then we'll, then we'll hit the break here. Um, he's gone back. Ira reported first. He's gone back. To, Ira doesn't want me talking about who reports what first, but that's okay. Uh, he, he, he went back to Miami a day early to get another opinion. Um, I can tell you that I'm sticking by my information that I've been reporting here on five on the floor all along. Um, I know there are other you know guys in the media that people know um, who have the same information that I do, uh, the, the people that they trust. And I ran it by the team again today and other people around. And I feel very comfortable with my information after talking to sort of both sides of this. Um, they, they haven't been on the same page, uh, Justice and the team. And, but it hasn't been for sort of what leaked out on Twitter 
over the past 48 hours that like justice wants to play and the team's holding him back. That's not my understanding of it. My understanding is that justice and, and his, his team, not the heat, but his team have felt that the injury was worse than the heat's initial diagnosis. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. That happens all the time, but that's where it's been Alex. And so, you know, now he's going back You know, I was told he had a second opinion already, uh, but now he's going for another opinion and I was told that that second opinion he had already was worse kind of diagnosis than what he perceived previously. You know, obviously he tried to play in the one game. It didn't go very well. Now he's going back. And I just think Heat fans need to brace for the worst. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I don't have any information. I mean, until they have the tests done, I don't think the Heat know. I don't think Justice knows. But I'm just saying based on the way that this has been going and trending, like I'm just bracing for a press release, you know, sometime on Tuesday or Wednesday. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. That he's being shut down for a while, you know, if not longer than a while. Because I, I just think if you look at the direction that this has been moving, the information that I've gotten all along, um, you know, he clearly thinks there's more there than than the team has uh, sort of, you know believed um, based on their own diagnosis. And so that's where I think it's heading. So I, I again, Alex, I think we just need to be prepared for so you think a it's a, stay without setback. justice. So you think that setback was more than just a setback, right? Like you think that was more like getting to the line where they shut him down? I think it's a continuation of uh, his belief. And again, I, I, this is based on information I have, but it's a continuation of, of his belief that the injury was worse than was originally sort of put out there. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't, it's not a new injury. It's just, can he play with it or not? Like that's, that's the thing, right? And so I, that's why I, I've said on podcasts with you and with Alf that I wasn't expecting him to be back for a while based on what I'd heard. And then all of a sudden he was back, right? So there had to have been some kind of a meeting of the minds for him to come back. And then as soon as he came back, he plays one game and not only did Spolster rule him out for the Nets game, but said he's not playing in the Knicks game either. And then he goes home early. So if you just sort of put the pieces together, even without inside information, it looks like he came back in a, in a situation where he wasn't totally a hundred percent sure he should be back. And he came back and then he aggravated whatever it is. Okay. And I think that's the question. What is it? <laughs> is it, is it, a, is it a strain? Like was initially died, you know, put out there by the team is it a bone bruise or is it something else and and how long can he play with it and manage the pain of it and how much of this is pain and how much is this is the risk of injuring himself further i'm all i'm saying is where this is trending i'm not expecting great news i'm not expecting I, great news just thinking about it now as you were talking and you started to say like the classifications that they've given uh, this injury 
those are the same kind of uh, broad classifications that they've given other injuries that have gone in that direction. The one that sticks out in my head is Josh McRoberts. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He went through a lot of the same stuff, and I think they called it a bone bruise too. That's just me off the top of my head, but like the bone bruise stuff, the strain stuff. Well, Dwayne. Well, Dwayne. The fact that they've been th- th- so th- 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 about th- it, you know. Well, think think of Dwayne, Alex. Right. I mean, that was true. Uh, you if you go to the Big Three era, the last two years of the Big Three era. You know, you know, everybody originally it was right. You know, Dwayne had, you know, this the ACL issue and in, in college and, and ligament, you know, the ligament issue and the cartilage, obviously, that was, you know, that he's talked about that was, uh, you know, basically shortened his was, prime, right? It, it was repaired. It shortened his prime when he did at Marquette. But it wasn't really that that was bothering him during that period of time. It was a bone bruise. It was the bone bruise that he, they could just never shake it. Like it, it was a, it that was was a one severe that was, pain management. That was the Pacers series one, right? It, right, it, right, and then he remember he went to go see Crean, and you know he 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 basically got it drained, and he came back. And we all know what he and LeBron did the last three games of that series, uh, you know, and took over without Bosch, but he had a bone bruise, and it, he just he didn't get over it until you know really almost a year or two later, and then we never heard about it again. But so I, you mentioned Mick Roberts. I mean, the the irony of that is that Justice took that photo of Mick Roberts, the two of them having <laughs> the two the two of them having uh, was it breakfast or lunch or dinner in Indiana? Indiana he called him his big brother, uh, and they have a Duke connection. But it's just it was you know kind of it struck people because obviously that that's what Mick Roberts' career is defined by. I hope it doesn't go that direction. I think they need Justice. I think they need justice, you know, as a player. I think potentially they need justice as a trade chip if that's the direction they want to go. But I just don't have a good feeling about it. So anyway, we'll get to more of this after the break. And, and I'm going to touch on something that I heard related to Jimmy uh, that I think people will find interesting. But today I was dressed better, Alex, than I typically am. Um, I need help in this regard. But I've reached out to Cervanti Men's Custom Clothier. So I want to introduce you to them as our newest sponsor. If it's frustrating to shop for dress clothes, you can't find the right fit, color, or style. Maybe you feel like you never know where, what to wear or how to wear it. You've got a wedding, a special event. Maybe you're covering a basketball game. You've got to go see Blanca over at Cervani Men's Custom Clothier. That's in South Miami, her private showroom located right across from Sunset Place on Red Road. Cervati has been designing fine custom-made clothing in South Miami for over 30 years. Your custom-made suits, pants, shirts, and shoes will fit you just the way you like. So schedule the private consultation like I did with Blanca. Start looking your best and get the benefit of a female's perspective on men's fashion. Give her a call at 305-310-2085. 305-310-2085. Mention five reasons. Nothing fits like custom t- tailored clothes. And here's the best news, Alex. She's going to do cargo shorts for Alf. Um, she, oh, she, can, man. She, she can get cargo shorts for Alf. She told me, and Alf and I have already discussed this. So she asked how many pockets. A lot of customizations. A lot of customizations. How many pockets? We're gonna have his initials, Alf, on the, on the, on the pockets of the cargo shorts. So go check it she out. Have his hat on the shorts. I just take him to every watch party. <laughs> wear Alf nine five four on the on the uh, on the cargo yeah. shorts. The five uh, reads, so- the five on the floor logo needs to be on there somewhere. <laughs> so- Maybe the light skin opinions logo. <laughs> You know, I don't know if she's going to want him representing her. I'll have to talk to Blanca. Anyway, check out uh, Cervani Men's Custom Clothier. Again, that is in South Miami on the number 305-310-2085. All right, last part of the podcast here. just want to drop a little info, and we talk about trades all the time. So I've done a little investigation because I I think, obviously, if they're going to make any kind of a trade, that Jimmy Butler's opinion will weigh. Uh, because he's here for the long haul and he is, you know, per- heat culture personified right now. He has the relationship with Eric Spolstra. So I was kind of doing some poking around, you know, not on players they're necessarily going to trade for, 
but the kind of players that might fit with Jimmy. And so I talked to some people around him to get a sense of that. So Alex, let me uh, let me ask you this question. Um, if I was to say to you, let me give you some names. Uh, Victor Oladipo, Drew Holiday, Kyle Lowry. Uh, give me the two names that you think would fit best next to Jimmy Butler. As far as straight fit? Basketball I, I think fit. Lowry... Lowry is the best fit as far as the guy I would want to trade for Lowry and Oladipo more, despite I think Lowry being a cleaner fit uh, just because of the fact that I think they could do a little bit more and maybe, uh, you know, help out more with that secondary ball handler stuff. You know, even though Lowry's a good point guard, he's still very good. I don't think he's that second ball handler. I think he's a little bit older. I don't know. I think they're all very good fits and, you know, Oladipo and is younger than, than both of them. All those, all three of those guys are very good, though. You can see, you can see where they're going with that, right? The two-way type of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let me give this to you. And I know Heat fans want to talk about bigs. Um, I wasn't really investigating bigs the past couple of days. I know the Andre Drummond. We might need to now. Well, we might need to now. I know the Andre Drummond name is out there. According to Ian Begley that, uh, of ESPN, that, he was close to going to the Knicks yesterday. So that may still happen. I'm not sure. And, again, that would be a rental, most likely, because Drummond's got the one year. But uh, here's what I was told. Um, Jimmy Butler thinks that, uh, has told people, he thinks Drew Holiday is a top 10 player in the NBA. Not top 25, not top 20, a top 10 two-way player in the NBA. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. I, I know you like Drew. Um, I don't know that a lot of people put him there, but it tells you what Jimmy values, right? Because... Jimmy looks at the game differently than the average fan looks at the game. Jimmy Absolute values dogs on defense. Dogs, dogs on defense. And uh, there's a belief that Drew is, you know, arguably the 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 best perimeter defender in the entire league. Um, He's definitely has, one of them. In has, his at his in his prime, at least, you know, at his peak in the playoffs. I still mm-hmm. remember what he did to Dame Lillard in the first round or whenever oh, he that destroyed was. Destroyed Dame Lillard. They swept him. It was embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was the best player on the floor. Like, um, right. I mean, he he was, I mean, in that series, he was the best player on the floor. Um, but I have been, I've been told that Jimmy has enormous, uh, affection as a basketball player for Drew holiday of the other two, the better fit I was told is Kyle, not Vic. And, uh, and the reason for that, uh, is that it, it's sort of the way that both of them approach offense that Kyle, uh, as far as a distributor and those guys, think that Vic has more of a scoring mentality uh, and that essentially the, the fit there would be better with Kyle. I was basically told that those two names to watch for, Kyle and Drew. And we've talked about Drew before. We haven't talked about Lowry a lot. Uh, but I, I think, again, put it in this context. If We've done a, a whole Drew Holiday podcast. Uh, and I know Drew, Drew's being kept out right now, right? He's got some kind of an injury. There's a, sort of an unknown timetable. Is that right? Yeah, I think he's been in and out. I'm not sure on the recent stuff. Okay, so again, context. David Griffin is the GM in in uh, New Orleans. I know for a fact that David Griffin likes Justice Winslow. I just I can tell you I know that. Um, so does he like? He said him? it on not, podcast too before. I, I, okay, so it's something that, that David and I. I mean, I again, you know, I covered the Cavs for a little while. It's something I've talked to Griffin about before. If he's now said it out loud, that's great because, you know, obviously he was in media for a little while afterwards. But, but I, know he, I know that they were – the Cavs were very high on, uh, on justice. So, uh, you know, there's some questions there. Again, now is he as high on justice as he was before the injuries? 
Um, is he as high on justice now that you have a player in Lonzo Ball who's picking up his game a little bit and has a similar skill set? That we don't know. But I, I can tell you there was, there was some interest. So I'll ask this to you again. If, if the Pelicans come to you and say uh, justice and Kendrick Nunn and you're the Heat, and you don't know that Drew Holiday, because they basically decided they don't really want Drew's contract going forward, and that maybe Drew's timetable from an age perspective doesn't fit Zion and Brandon Ingram's timetable if they're going to pay Brandon Ingram a lot of money. If they came to you and said that those are the two primary pieces they want, Winslow and, well, they may want Hero, but let's say it ends up being Winslow and none. If you're the Heat, I know there's other things that would have to be thrown in from a, from a financial perspective to make it work. Is that a good place to start, in your view? Um, I don't know about place to start, but it's definitely where I would finish if I were them. Again, I would still be wary of trading away multiple bodies who figure to be in your main rotation, you know, like Justice and Nunn. But at the same time, if you are going to make this type of move where you're giving up young guys to try to upgrade at a position, I think Drew Holiday is a great idea. I think it's, uh, it helps with a lot of their problems that they have defending the perimeter and again justice would help in that department i'm not saying he wouldn't but drew is more of a guy who is best guarding perimeter players he can guard the three for you know short periods of time can switch on to a lot of guys and i think it helps a lot with guys who are particularly good at pulling up around the three-point line guys like kemba guys like kyle lowry who you know especially when they employ that drop scheme that they have whenever myers is on the floor that you know they're kind of susceptible to these pull-up threes i think drew's length and his tenacity helps with a lot of that. And he could be that second facilitator, second scorer. And I think it's it's a phenomenal fit next to Jimmy. I think it gives you more size. Mm-hmm. It gives you more – it gives you a second scorer you need. It kind of fills all the holes a little bit. He's not a terrific shooter, but he's still at about 34 35% at over five attempts a game. Yeah, he's okay. So I think it gives you enough. Yeah, well, and then the question is, is a core uh, – if your core going forward – is Jimmy, Bam, Drew Holiday, and Tyler Hero with kind of Duncan Robinson. Maybe you end up paying DJJ with, you know, the justice money. Or I, they got to figure out how to make that work. Is that enough? Like, is that if, the, if your big three is – it turns into a big four when Tyler develops. But if your big three is Bam, Jimmy, and Drew, can you win the East? And, and the other question is, we mentioned Kyle, and we'll talk about him more another time. But I think a lot of it has to do with what Masai Ujiri is planning to do. Is he staying in, in Toronto? Is he trying to contend right now? Yeah, they're still is, so good. And it's like they're, they're, they're on this, they're good. Well, they're on this tour is, of after the championship. Well, Siakam is back. So I, I think, you know, you've got basically three to four weeks he's coming back. Can they? Does he feel they can contend? But Masai Ujiri is one of the GMs who I think has the credibility where if he made a trade to set them back for a little bit, I think the fans would be patient with him and realize he's got a plan going forward. Like he has the credibility to be able to do that. A lot of GMs don't, but those are the two. If I was told if it's going to be a perimeter player, those are the two players. I know the holiday thing's not a surprise to people. We haven't talked as much about Lowry, but I don't think Oladipo, you and I, I think we've all kind of jumped on Oladipo because of the Dwayne connection, the Tom Crean connection, the fact that they were palling around after the game the other night, even when Jimmy went at it with TJ Warren. But I was told, that it's not as good a fit from a – he likes Victor a lot personally. Everybody does. Uh, but that's not as good a fit from a basketball perspective as maybe the other two. It would be – they would have to revamp their offense a little bit. Like I think Lowry 
fits more into what they currently do on offense, where they're constantly moving and screening and passing. I think he's already doing all of that stuff in Toronto. You know, it gives him another guy who is a two-way player and a very good shooter. You know, he doesn't need to be the main distributor. Uh, I think it's a very good fit. I just don't see Toronto setting. I think they're really, really good on both ends of the floor. They're probably a top 12, top 10 team. And, uh, yeah, maybe Ujiri does decide, you know, not a contender, don't hold on to the emotion. But at the same time, like, that championship was so special for them. Lowry has mm-hmm. pretty much been their most important player, maybe not the most talented player they have. Obviously, Kawhi was there. But right. Lowry's been through it all. He's still really good. And he got to that. And I don't know. It doesn't seem like something that's going to happen. I don't know, man. The 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 Oladipo thing, uh, I but I trust, for one thing, David Ramil of uh, Locked on Heat, who said a while back on the Heat Beat podcast that the Pacers were worried about Oladipo possibly wanting to join the Heat during free agency. Again, that's two years from now or now a year and a half from now. Right. I don't think he's going to get traded before then. But it is interesting because we already know Drew's in the trade rumors. Uh, the Pacers have been good. They're waiting for Oladipo to come back. You think they're going to leave or if you want to get some value in return if you're not going to move forward with them like Lowry. Well, that's the thing about the Pacers, and we'll close here. But the, the, the biggest thing to me about the Pacers is we've already seen Kevin Pritchard, that organization, like they'll make the bold move. I mean, they did it with Paul George, right? I mean, they they you know they got Oladipo and Sabonis for Paul George. In terms of getting value, I mean, it's two straight organizations that have got great value for Paul George. But I mean, you, they traded their star, right? And they insanely got, good value for Paul they, George. How they, they good got, Sabonis has been, right? Well, that's the thing. And how good Oladipo was. But everybody hated that trade at the time. I mean, think about it. Orlando gave up those two players for Serge Ibaka for what turned out to be like three <laughs> months of Serge Ibaka, right? It's the same trade. The that same was one of the players. worst trades we've ever seen. I think well, that's not. Talked about as one of the worst trades of all time. Well, that's the thing. And, and Indiana ends up, you know, flipping Paul George for, you know, those two guys. And they've turned out great. So, I, I, they will make a bold move. And also, the other thing to consider is the Pacers just played pretty successfully for two months without Paul George, right? Three months. So, now you look at it a little bit differently. Like, if, if you have to make a move with Oladipo before. And, again, I'm not saying that's going to happen. But if you're the Pacers, you may have to be proactive about this. I, all I'm saying is... I checked out the holiday fit and I can just tell you that Jimmy Butler believes based on people I've talked to around him, that Drew holiday is a top 10 two way player. If that's the case, then he fans should not have a concern if they decide to trade for Drew holiday. That's the reason I wanted to throw that. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying the assets. I'm not saying another team can't trump them, but I'm just saying that Jimmy likes Drew holiday. I think, um, Everybody always talks about with the Drew stuff. It just, it, it comes down to whether or not he can take you over the top. And I do get that point. I do get that conversation. But at the same time, I don't think there's a guy out there that's going to take you over the top of, you know, basically what we're talking about here is Milwaukee. Milwaukee is the team to beat right now in the East. There's no one available that puts you over that, right? So if you're just worried about that, then there's no point of doing it. But at the same time, you want to give yourself the best chance. You want to try to, you know, balance that line between young and win now. And you can find a way to get Drew without giving up Bam or Hero or Duncan. I think they might just do it. And especially after what you just told me that, uh, you know, that sounds like something that could happen if it, especially with, you know, David Griffin li- liking justice, that he'd having multiple guys they can throw in a salary filler. Maybe they could throw in a first round pick if, if the, the Pelicans really demand hero or something. And they're like, Oh no, we'll give you a first instead. We'll maybe throw in a Casey Akpala to fill that, that farm system they got over there. But, yeah, it's interesting to see going forward. I think he would make the, that would give him a really good shot, to be honest. Well, they got to do something, I think, uh, 
you know, not necessarily make a move to jeopardize 2021, but if they do want to compete this year, I, I do think they have a personnel problem defensively. I think it's more than just an effort thing. I think we've started to see it break down a little bit. I think they recognize that. So again, they're ahead of schedule. I don't think you make a move just to make a panic move. I've said that repeatedly. I don't think you jeopardize 2021, but I think holiday is he's been to me, the guy that's on the edge. Like it's, he may be worth it. I'm not sure. Even if he opts into the 27 million, other guys we're talking about, Kevin Love, when we were talking about Blake Griffin, no. Uh, Holiday is a little bit of a different conversation. Dame Lillard would be a very different conversation. We'll have that one another time. But uh, Drew is kind of the line for me. Anyway, uh, make sure you check out another of our great sponsors, the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. You can find them at onecalllegal.com. That's onecalllegal.com. Make sure you spell it out. They handle personal injury, traffic tickets, tickets, immigration, and much, much more. They're based in North Miami right off 95, right before the Golden Glades. But they handle cases from all over the state. So that's the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. We're going to be doing more recording from our studio in their offices down there. So we'll be telling you more about them. Also check out fivereasonsports.com. That's our website, fivereasonsports.com. Spelled out, we'll have a new column from Nikias Duncan coming out. Nikias wanted me to ask a question of Spolstra uh, that I, I didn't even understand, honestly. And tonight was not the night to do it. Alex might have understood it. I, I didn't understand it. It was, it was, uh, it was. I'm going to text it to you just so you can see it. And we've got some. If you check out my Instagram feed right now, not the Five Reasons Sports, but the EJ Skolnick feed, where I basically just post pictures of my daughter. Um, I've got something on my story right now. It's kind of a tease. We've got something else coming. If you liked Justice Better last year. The song, Brass and Leif have done something else. So check it out. I'm giving you a 10-second snippet on my Instagram right now. Alex, thanks for joining me because Alf is drunk in cargo shorts somewhere. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.